Welcome to Business Unfiltered, where we dive into the raw and unfiltered world of running a business with Mercer and Jeff Sauer. Grab a seat for this unfiltered journey into the world of entrepreneurship. This is Business Unfiltered. Okay, welcome back to Business Unfiltered. Jeff Sauer here, along with Mercer, as always. And today we're going to talk about pricing mistakes and how to avoid them. Now, this is going to be a juicy, meaty topic because there's a lot of different things that go into pricing and a lot of different things that go into avoiding them and what the definition of a mistake is. So I'm going to hand it over to you, Mercer, and you're going to help me define this topic. When you hear pricing mistakes and how to avoid them, what comes to mind for you? What, you know what really comes to mind is, the, is when somebody tests pricing, like when they're split testing pricing. And it's like, oh, you can buy it for $99 and then you look on your mobile and you could have bought it for $79 and then all of a sudden it's $49 and it just seems to upset people. Um, I think I think that is an example probably of, of a pricing mistake. So when I think about it, I think about that as like the primary mistake. But really pricing is just charging the value. Like what, what value are we trying to charge for the value that we are uh, hopefully providing for the marketplace? So I think that's the pricing side of thing. And the mistakes is just, you know, Tripping that up, tripping that communication up for again another pricing mistake, not putting the pricing on on the buy button, you know, or, or around the buy button, so they have to go to the cart, you know, because somehow that's magically going to make them buy, you know, when you send them to the cart. Um, and I think I think that's a mistake. So I think it's just a, a mistake in communicating the value in exchange for the value to keep yeah. it as as base as possible, right? What how much value do we want in exchange for what we are providing for our markets, and then mistakes and the, the communication between those. How about you? Yeah, I think that, you know, it's funny, you're, you're helping even distinguish something that I didn't really think of. So I, I think about pricing as in for services, but then there's also pricing for products and they're quite different from each other, right? Pricing for services is really based on an estimate of effort and the team that's doing it, trying to get a margin in there, and then also trying to get as much money as you possibly can to somebody who'll say yes, right? So, so trying to hear yes, but also trying to maximize your profit. So it's really pricing based on value, not just pure effort. And then pricing a product, it's, you know, we both sell online courses. It is, mm -hmm. you know, it's it's things around, should I price the course this amount? You know, do I price it compared to what competitors are doing? Are there undercutters out there? Do I, do I go with a volume game? Do I go with a, you know, a big ticket game? Do I leave money on the table? So I think for both of these things, a mistake to me is really the idea of leaving money on the table or leaving something that's out there that you probably don't really feel that good about. And or or um, when you're providing a service, it's selling something, putting it out there, and then realizing, oh, this doesn't really make sense, right? Like the, I, I I had this service that you know I, I provided this service, and I'm not getting paid. My hourly rate is less than than like a minimum wage wage worker because I bid this thing wrong, right? So so from a service perspective, it's more about bidding. From a pricing perspective, it's about it's about not getting the product market fit, right? Getting product market market price fit. So, and yeah, so I, I think we both, since we both have product businesses and service businesses, it'd be interesting to sort of see um, which one of these things, you know, the differences between them, but do you have strategies for in the product business that you utilize in order to make sure that you get your pricing right? Do you have any scientific way of doing it? Or is it based on an effort estimation? Is it based on like your projections, how many people you want to have come in? Is it scientific at all? Or is it just sort of would, like, yeah, we did it I this way. Love, I would that love way. that to be like, let's come into my lab where the pricing lab is. And all of our beakers are, are creating this little extraction of pricing. Um, yeah, I mean, it is, it is, there's definitely a little bit of science, but there's obviously a lot of art, I think, to this as well. Um, part of, part of, 
what my thinking is on pricing initially, especially with products is what's the point of the product. So, you know, for example, we've got a, um, for the measurement marketing.io brand, we have a, a tracking leads and sales, uh, sort of training offer, right? So that's low ticket. It's 47 bucks. It's made for paid traffic. Um, but it's made to acquire paid traffic. So the pricing is kept low because in reality, I'm not, yes, I want, the, the revenue, don't get me wrong, but the revenue is there just to pay for the ads, right? What they would call self-liquidating offer uh, in the direct response world. But just kind of the, the idea is that I am I am getting a lead. This is literally how I, how I think about it. I'm getting a, a very high quality lead. In other words, a lead that is paid money, right? To be uh, involved with the brand. And I'm doing that with this $47 course. So I'll price something on the low end with a massive amount of value for that purpose. Now that you've got something like the Measurement Marketing Academy in our case, right, which is a couple grand a year, it's a lot more value, obviously, for that. Um, but that was something that we we did because we wanted to have, uh, it's, I think it just takes time to learn measurement properly. So we wanted to make sure that people were giving themselves time. We priced it at a year long level for that reason. Um, and because we give so much support, it required a, a heftier price tag. It just costs us more money. Right. Um, for that, it's not just a digital course we're allowing people access to. We actually have human instructors that are working with them. Yep. So I changed the pricing to reflect the cost of the delivery of that. Right. Um, so that's sort of how I think about it in terms of the the service based. I think that's from from my perspective. And I don't know that I'm right on this, um, to be honest, which is why I love these conversations between you and I um, cause we always get to learn from each other. But Right now, I really default to recurring revenue. Like we don't like doing project work because of what you talked about, where it's like, oh, I think this will take me 30 hours. And then you get into it and it's going to take you 300 hours. And now it's like, well, you don't want to go back to the client and say, well, accidentally, it's going to be 10 times as more, even though that's exactly what every other contractor on the planet does to people. Um, but I, I don't do that. I prefer to just do recurring retainer model pricing so that some months, it, you know, it's maybe in the beginning, it's not quite working in my favor, but the payoff is that they're there with us for years, like in our case, it's typically what most of our uh, service-based clients are doing. They're with us for years. So the payoff isn't maybe in the first even 60, 90 days, but it is after that. And it becomes immensely profitable. Um, so, but I like the recurring revenue for that yeah. because I, because it sort of, um, this is going to sound bad, but, but it's true. I think it covers up the mistakes that you might make in pricing otherwise. It's like, well, you're going to get it on the back end. At least there's a way to do that. Um, that said, and something I really want to get your opinion on is this value-based pricing stuff. Because I, I have lots of friends who are like, you have got to raise rates. Like, you're giving this out way too cheap. Um, it should be substantially more, you know, because of the value you're providing. And you're charging the same amount that you charge, you know, a company A as company B, even though company B might have a thousand times more revenue, right? Presumably profit. Um, so why wouldn't you charge them more? And And I've always felt, not weird about it, but kind of like I just haven't been able to make that move, but I also get it. There are, you know, I have a, I have a really good friend of mine and she's one of our certified measure marketers. Um, so uh, that's, uh, you know, was hanging out with us as we're going through it. And she's like, you know, if I, I have the same service, I have to sell it to a small business for $3,000. Cause that's what a small business will buy it at. I have to sell it to an enterprise level, the exact same thing for 30,000 because that's how they'll buy it. They will not buy a $3,000 product. They have yeah. to buy it at 30,000. And that's, that is really hard for me to, to wrap my head around, even though it is, I get it. It's hundred percent true. So how do you handle stuff like that? Cause you don't want to be like, well, you know, a, the worst thing is you pitch the $3,000 product to the wrong person. They don't buy it and you lose the $3,000 and the, you know, the extra 27 that you could have had, right. If you just yeah. pitched 30 and they would have bought it. 
Yeah. So a few things. One, uh, let me let me just let's wrap up the product part because I think there's some stuff that you know there's there's some wins we can have, and there is mm-hmm. a scientific part to it. So product pricing is is definitely you have to have some level of transparency. Often you have a button that says how much it costs and people buy with a credit card. And so you can't get away with too much. Like you could sell the same product in a boutique store as at Walmart, right? And you, and it's a different price, but ultimately that that's really a margin game or so on. So from a product perspective, there are different breakpoints though. Like you mentioned with your low ticket self-liquidating offer, there's, there's breakpoints at different price levels. There's a $10 breakpoint I think there's a $50 one, there's a $100 one, there's a $500 one, or there's a $300, there's $500, there's $1,000, and then there's like $5,000, right? So I don't know these exact numbers, but there are studies that I've read about the different price points. So there there are people smarter than me who have studied this and done a scientific study to, to show that people, their buying behavior changes and the method of selling changes based on the price, right? So if it's less yeah. than $100, it's a low consideration, low ticket, so they can just buy it without really justifying it. But the bigger the price, the more they have to justify it. And the better you have to be at selling, copywriting, or or if you're using a salesperson to actually build that solution, right? So yeah. the more the, the more expensive it is, the more they want to build that solution. So um, so there are pricing studies that that support this. And if you ever take an online course about selling online courses, generally speaking, the best ones will map that out for you and give you that that mapping point right um now from a service perspective it's it's a lot more nuanced like you said because it's it's value it's level of service and it's what you can get that you can get away with so going to the example of charging three thousand dollars to a small business to thirty thousand dollars for an enterprise i wonder is it the same service or not i think that's one of the big mistakes that people make is they think that it's the same service yet it's not and what I mean by that is this idea of a service level agreement. What are you actually doing for that exchange of value? And so what I mean by service level agreement is basically this, is that when you think about it, um, an agreement of a service level for $3,000 is I'm going to, let's say that it's an audit or a, you know, I'm going to audit your analytics or something like that. Well, on a $3,000 project, there's less traffic to look at. There's fewer reports that are generated. There's there's maybe not e-commerce on there. There's fewer things that could go wrong. The demand from that client for account management to talk to them, to present to them, to put things together is different. And so you might be able to get something for $3,000, spend 10 hours on it, create 20 pages of, of material, and that's what the 3000 is. Now, for $30,000, you might think it's the same service, which is a mistake. That is a fallacy. And you should be, you should not think that way, by the way. And I hope that at the end of this thing, you're not thinking that way. But if you think that a $3,000 project and a $30,000 project are the same, you are not accounting for all that goes into closing that $30,000 deal that goes into servicing it. And that goes into your service level agreement. So let's talk about what's in a $30,000 deal. You have way more back and forth to get the contract signed, way more sales needed to sell it. You have way higher expectations. They're definitely going to have more traffic than ever. So there's a lot more pages, reports you have to sift through. They have more legacy technology that they're dependent on. So you have to log into other systems and take a look at those and see what the numbers say there. You have to deal with more departments. Instead of one person point of contact, you're talking to IT, you're talking to the marketing department, you're talking to the social media department, you're sort of interviewing these people. All that takes time. You need weekly check-in calls as opposed to one call at the end. Every one of those things takes time. And so if you don't price for that, you might think, okay, well, I can charge $3,000 for the small business and $3,000 for the enterprise because it's the same service. And I'm here to tell you that it's not. And that's the reason why these companies respect 
the $30,000 more than the 3000 because they know how needy they are. They know how much time it takes to get into that. And so you're not really respecting yourself if you think these services are the same because they are different. The requirements are different. And this is why a lot of people fall into what I call the small business trap. The small business trap is saying, hey, I just want to help real companies, real people, as opposed to big companies. And they say, okay, small businesses is who I'm targeting. And yet that's sort of a sign of either low self-esteem or low ambition as to what's going on because those companies don't have the resources that can utilize your firepower. So when you settle for a small business who can't implement what you're doing, you're not actually providing as much value to them as you might be for a bigger business that, that has the implementation arm. And so I think the biggest pricing mistake here is not realizing that there's way more that goes into servicing a big company than a small company that you need to account for in your service level agreement. And that's what the difference between thirty dollars and $3,000, for example. Have you yeah, had experienced this at all? Do you distinguish in a similar way? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting because I, you know, I, I don't mean to say like obviously the way we ex I explained it was like, oh, it's the exact same product for the in spirit that's true, but really it's probably eighty percent the same. It's the twenty percent that's different, right, for small business versus um, uh, major business. But I think you're right about the because I haven't looked at it like that. Like obviously it is a little bit more back and forth. Uh, that twenty percent changes, right? Eighty percent of the core product is the same. Um, same report, same style, same steps we're going to go through, same SOPs are going to be followed to set up, you know, let's say measurement or whatever the, the service is in our case. Um, and yes, there's more pieces, but there's, it's not that much actual extra time, assuming we have all of that. But you're right, the 20% will change, right? The communication is going to change, the amount of data you're going through is going to change. Um, and I think it's interesting to think about price as a signal to the market of the value that you're delivering. And if you go to, if you are providing $30,000 worth of value, true value to an enterprise, and then they come in and that buyer sees a $3,000 ticket, they have to think you're only providing $3,000 worth of value. They just have to, because you're asking for it. So I can, I can see that for sure. Um, you know, the, the one um, aspect you had mentioned about the small business trap, like I'm, I'm in that, I think for different reasons, like I've literally said that phrase where I'm like, I just like working with small businesses. Um, but it's because I dislike working for enterprises so much. Mm -hmm. It has nothing to do with the self-esteem thing, at least I think, right? Who knows? But subconsciously, I could be projecting. But the the idea is that the I've worked with so many enterprises where the left hand doesn't even know there's a right hand and the departments cannot work together and I cannot effectively work and get the result I need to get for them because of how chaotic they are and siloed these these most of these departments are. And I'm just like, I don't, it's just frustrating for me and I don't enjoy it. Now, as an owner, what I should do is just hire somebody who enjoys it, right? And give it to them and say, cool, go, go build this. And eventually I'll probably get out of my own way and do that. Um, but, but that is why I like small business. Like I like it because I can make a faster impact as there is less pieces so we can get more done. They get wins faster. I see the wins faster. I see them grow. And, and I just, I, I dig that. Um, but you know, again, I think there's that, you know, that, Enterprise is a great market. So there's some people who are just geared for it better um, than me. Yeah. Yeah. So it's interesting. So I'll, I'll, I'll qualify the small business thing a little bit. And it doesn't mean that I don't want to work. Like I, like I work with small businesses too. Most of my customers and the data-driven side are small businesses. And even my coaching side are small businesses. And I can make a bigger impact with them. But I think that it has to be a specific type of business. Small business is a is a, is the widest net ever. It's, the, it's, it's so the, true. It's, it's the, the worst definition. Possible. Yeah, yeah it's, it it's really a, is. So, so ultimately, by definition, you're just saying I don't really know who I want to work with, but I don't. But I but I know that I want them to be manageable for me. That's what I mean by the self esteem. That's exactly part. right. Because yeah, you're basically I saying I don't. I'm afraid of the big one, so I'm going to take the small one in. It doesn't mean that you shouldn't work with them. In fact, like if you say I want to work with a dentist office, that is a small business, but it's specific. 
If you yeah. say, I want to work with roofing contractors, that is a small business, but it's specific. Almost every business is a small business. Yeah. And they're, they're the ones that you're going to want to work with, right? So that's fine. But saying a small business means that you're showing characteristics of saying, I don't want to actually do the hard things is what I mean. I don't want to do the hard thing where I have to potentially hear no more often, or I have to develop a solution that's bulletproof, or I have to get better at selling. I have to get better at delivery and streamline these things. And I have to choose. I have to make a choice. Do I want to niche down in this area or not? Right. Yeah. And that's, that's a hard thing. And I, I trust me, I've done this before where I've, where I have a niche on the wall that I could easily, you know, do it. But then it's like, do I really want to not talk to 65% of my email list that isn't in that area? Do I want to just tell them, no, we don't need you anymore. You know, do you go all in or do you dip your toes in the water? Generally speaking, when it comes to pricing and so on, if you tip, if you dip your toes in the water, you get blown away. You get a wave coming and knocks you out. If you go all the way in, you know, you can have the sink or swim moment, but it's a little bit more consistent with what you're doing with, with pricing and everything. Right. So, um, yeah. And so I think that, you know, the other, the other thing I wanted to talk about with pricing mistakes specifically around a mistake is just not building a margin into what you do. So, so it's a combination of two, it's actually three things that work together. One is the margin, like how much do you mark up the time put into the effort that you put in there? So like I always recommend 25 cents goes to the people doing the work, cost of goods sold, 75 cents goes into the business and then you can use it to pay your management team. You can pay office space and all that stuff. Um, and then, so, so, you know, 300% markup on anything that you do. And then that is based on effort though. So it's based on 300% times the hourly blended rate of your people times the markup, right? So those are the three things. It's estimated effort, which is based on hours, or you can call it units if you don't like the word hour. I'm not saying you charge by the hour, but you have to estimate effort by what you're paying people. So you estimate effort based on expense that it costs your business. Otherwise, you'll never know what your profit margin is, right? You have to base it off of how much you're paying your team to do this thing. So do you, do you do the profit first type mentality where you're like, this is how much profit I'm going to get from this first. And then this is how I'm going to do that with the expenses to generate, you know, to charge this much revenue. Yeah. So I've never read the book profit first, but the summary from what I hear is basically you, you set up your business and you have a bunch of different accounts. One's your profit account. One is your people and all and so on. And you pay your profit first and then everything else goes backwards. This is a similar model. I just don't, I, I actually think that that's a pretty complicated way to do things. And it's sort of like a, I, I think it's more of a, that's a permanent banking solution to a problem that is a mental, mental problem yeah. um, or a mental yeah. a, a process problem. So no, I don't do it that way. I go effort times blended rate times 300 or, or three is, is my est estimate. So, so, so walk, let's walk through an actual example yeah. on that. Maybe put some numbers behind it just to yeah, kind of so walk through. Let's talk about simple. it. So like if, mm -hmm. if you're doing, so if it, so Jeff Alytics consulting, which was what I was before I, um, before the, the course business took off, I would basically do an estimate, something like, Hey, somebody wants me to do a GA audit. And, um, you know, I, I'm used to charging somewhere at the time between 250 and $500 an hour. An audit usually takes me about 10 hours to do myself. And so I would basically say, okay, $500 an hour, which is, you know, more than I actually paid myself. That was sort of a built in markup pricing times 10 hours. Okay, it's a $5,000 project to do an audit. Now, other people do audits for cheaper than that. Um, you know, eventually I was like, I was hearing yes every single time I did that. So I started to try to raise the price to, oh, maybe I'm worth more than I think here now, now they're $10,000. I got busy, raised the price and so on. And, and I said, 10,000, I started hearing 
no more often. Like I heard had, I got ghosted way more at $10,000. So I was like, okay, well the prices for this is probably $5,000. Now within there, the next evolution is, okay, well what if I, instead of Jeff doing 10 hours, the most expensive person in the company by far, what if I can find a way to have somebody follow a process and spend 80 hours doing something at five to $10 an hour, fill in the document. And then I come in at the end and do two hours at at a $500 an hour and make the business more profitable, right? Because because 80 hours times 10 times $10 an hour is $800 plus my two $500 hours is $1800 to do this thing and I can still charge 5 grand. And so ultimately if you if you can lower your your if you can blend your rates, we're actually effectively charging $75 an hour or whatever the number ends up being with that math. Um, we're, we're more profitable, but we're still charging the same amount of money. And so what I found is that if there's a ceiling to what you can charge reasonably, in my case, it was 10,000 versus 5,000. Although I think I had some $15,000 ones with bigger companies. Um, then, then you have to lower your expense structure, right? You have to bring your expense structure into line so you can maximize your profits. Does that make sense? And so, yeah, 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 yeah it totally does. I think the, the other, the other aspect of this, when I'm thinking about pricing and specifically mistakes, cause I like how you're thinking about it. One of just getting started, like, Hey, I'm going to pay myself 500 bucks and this is what it's going to be. And then eventually you get some sales, you realize sort of the sweet spot in what the range that the market's going to bear for this service that you're providing. Then when you sort of solidify, okay, like this case, you know, the example is $5,000, like, okay, that's our price point. Now, the owner manager part kicks in as the role in the business. And you say, okay, how can I deliver this product in a cheaper way? Right? So the expenses are lower. Therefore your profit isn't coming from you raising rates. Your profit is coming from you doing this thing more efficiently now. Um, yep. And penciling that out, I think is important. That's a, that's a cool, I uh, kind of already imagined it, what that spreadsheet looks like. That's a, when your clients are happier cool when you idea. do that, right? Yeah. I mean, everybody's yeah. happier when you lower your, when you keep the cost the same, they don't, nobody wants a price increase. Right. They want, they want, they basically want, consistency. That's what people want. And they want yeah. market acceptance. They don't want to make the wrong choice. A lot of times you'd and, be surprised how many people sign a contract because they just didn't want to make the wrong choice. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I think, and especially with things like AI and, and all of that coming out, like the, the ability for um, more profitable services are, is immense, right? Yeah. Right now, because you can replace a lot of that stuff that used to be all had to be a human um, to, that doesn't have to be anymore. Um, when, when you're just getting started, cause I get asked this question a lot. Um, and I have a certain way, but I'm curious on yours first. So the, I, I get asked a lot, like, okay, you know, if I'm just starting out, what should I be charging? Yeah. Right. That's that whole, like, I'm just starting out. I don't want to be wrong. Right. That whole, like, what if yeah. I charge too much? Oh my gosh. What if I charge too little? How do you, what, what's your, what's your recommendation? I mean, yeah. you're just starting out and you're figuring out like when you don't know, if the $5,000 is the right answer, like yeah. maybe it was a thousand dollars, maybe it was a hundred thousand dollars. How do yeah. you, how do you get past that? I have a very concrete answer for this. So that people love it get this. Cause it's not, it's not really that complicated. Um, first of all, you take your, what you got paid at your last salaried job, divide it by 2000, multiply it by four. <laughs> so if I got okay. paid, walk through an example. Yes. Yeah. So if I get paid a hundred thousand dollars a year at my old job and I want to want to become a freelancer, I, Take that 100,000, divide it by 2,000, which is the number of working hours in a year, and I come up with a number of about $50 an hour. So $50 mm -hmm. an hour is what my what I was getting paid as an employee. Um, and then you add the four, multiply it by four is adding in the margins that we're talking about here. So then you say, I'm worth $200 an hour. So a $100,000 
employee resources worth $200 an hour if you want to have a profit and you want to have a margin. Multiply that by effort, and that's how you come up with your quote. And then, you know, maybe you think it's going to be 10 hours. You're probably going to, you're probably, you're wishfully thinking it's going to be 10 hours. Um, it might end up being 20, and you, in, in, an advanced thing is to break it down by the role that you're playing. So you're actually breaking it down into smaller pieces to get a more accurate estimate. Um, but anyways, Remember, we're just, just starting out. So simple yeah, is important. Exactly. So, yeah. So let's just yeah. keep it simple. Your yep. salary job divided by 2000 times four is times the amount of hours that you estimate is what you should charge. And then, so that say that ends up being $2,000 for a project for, for a 10 hour project. Um, and then if you want to keep on testing the market, the way that you give yourself an increase is the next time you do it, increment by five hundred dollars or you know ten to twenty percent each time. So then next time try twenty five hundred. Are you hearing yes again? Okay, well then the market sort of like your your new market rate is based on what the market is telling you and and how strong your pipeline is, and you can keep on increasing there. So eventually you just keep. And that's how I did it. I started. I was a two thousand dollar audit guy when I needed the confidence, and then I became a five thousand. The only difference was just incrementing each time testing what the market would bear. And then eventually I got really bold and I, and I doubled it. And then I, I started hearing no way more often. So that I had an equilibrium in the market at around that amount. If I would have just stuck with what I was getting paid at the old job and said, it's $2,000, I wouldn't have, you know, I would have been leaving $3,000 per project on the table. Like there's yeah. a lot of margin there. So if you're just getting started, test the first one, you know, you're going to make money off of it. You know that if you, if you screw up your estimate by a factor of four, it, you just break even compared to having a job. <laughs> you know, the big mistake people make is that they just charge $50 an hour and they say 10 hours and they charge $500 for something. Yeah. And then they're like, Oh, this ended up taking me 20 hours. I thought it was going to only be 10. I'm actually getting paid less money to do this than I did at my old job. And I'm getting, I'm basically getting less than minimum wage. That's how that ends up happening is if you don't add in some kind of margin or give yourself grace to learn on the job as you're going along, things always take at least twice as long as you think when you're first getting started, because you don't have that prior precedent and you don't yeah. realize how many team members you worked with at your old job who did work for you and who, who made this thing easier and smoother. Right? So yeah, it's always going to be at least twice as long with that learning curve. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I, I, you know, when I first started, and this is way, way back in the day, like our original, you know, the original site I created was a, a training video site for WordPress, right? Just teach people yep. how to do WordPress. That led very quickly to people saying, this is great. This is, seems like a lot of work. Can you just build my WordPress site for me? And I remember there was a guy that came in. This is, uh, you know, over a decade ago at this point, long, long, long time ago. But he was, he came in, he's like, well, I want a membership site like yours. And for me, I was like, I spun that thing up in two hours. Like I, I knew how to do the site. It was easy. You could put it together. And I'm thinking, okay, 250 bucks an hour, two hours, 500 bucks, which yep. it was. It was within two hours. It was so easy. Um, and I did that. And he said yes so fast that I knew I had made this horrible mistake <laughs> with the pricing, right? Where I was like, oh, 500 bucks. He was like, done. Like, can I get 40 of them? Like, I was like, okay, wait a second. This is off, right? Even though the hours were fine. I was right yeah. in the hour rate. But the market would have paid 5,000 because that's yep. what the going rate for that was. And fast forward a year later, this is what we were charging. We were doing yep. you know, a lot of sites for 10 to 15K because that's what the market would bear. But I, I think the, the, the moral of the story is when you're getting started, you know, because I'm, I'm, I'm pretty similar to you with, with, oddly enough, not as number oriented in the beginning. Though I love that idea. I love the idea of like, okay, I got to have at least a starting point. Cool. What were you making? And let's build from there. I think that's super smart. But it's just you know, sometimes you just got to guess and, yeah. and get it out in the market. And it's more important to get moving than it is to be right. Right. Momentum yeah. is sometimes just more important than being right. Yeah. And you're like, okay, maybe you will be wrong. Like I remember my first analytics setup. I mean, setup. 
I charged a thousand dollars for it when I was first getting started. Thousand dollars flat rate, set up everything. This was prior to Tag Manager, but still Google <laughs> Analytics, right? GA. So we did the setup for a thousand bucks. Again, same thing. Said yes, really, really quickly. Sent me your referral. Guess what the referral was? And this is to your point. $2,000. The next referral that came out was $3,000. And I kept doing that by a thousand bucks at a piece, but I would never have been able to get there had I not sold the first one for a thousand dollars. Right. Cause if I was like, cause what if he had said no and I charged 10, which is t totally what I could have charged back then even, but you know, they, they may have said no and I wouldn't even have anything and I wouldn't have yeah. momentum. I wouldn't have a, a customer. I wouldn't have the experience. I wouldn't have all the confidence that comes with that early pricing, you know, potential mistake, right? But you can correct it. Like almost like the biggest pricing mistake is being afraid of making mistakes, I think yeah. in a way where it's like, hey, make the mistake, but move forward, fail forward and, and just raise more the next time or, you know, raise your rates. Yeah, I don't, um, and I, I, think people I, are I firmly believe that there's no failures in business. Failures when you give up entirely, but every time Indeed. that you make a mistake is data. At the very least, you're yep. getting data, you're collecting data. The, re the reason why it's harder when you're starting out is because you have zero data points. Right, I have thousands of data points at this point, so I'm way more confident in what I'm saying. But I have been collecting data. Mercer's been collecting data, and that's just how this all comes together, right? Every time that you do something is data, and when you're first starting out, you know if you have if you talk to two people, then then you're not statistically significant. We now have statistical significance in what we did because we've been collecting data and thinking about it that way. You can do the same thing, so it's not really failing; it's just making a mistake and then learning from your mistakes and getting better, right? And you come back and you're stronger. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a huge believer in that. Every time you try to, you take some action, as long as you're making momentum, it's like the system gives you clues as to what the next step is. So, you know, not being afraid of, of charging the wrong thing, charge something, get it moving. You know, like you said, get the data and the market typically gives us direction and says, oh, yeah. okay, here's here's what, the, what they'll bear. Well, right. I think some of that's mindset too, right? Like people think that, that you, that a sale is either, it's a zero sum, I mean, it is generally a zero sum game sales. But it's an abundance mindset. You need to have more calls, more talks, more things to happen. People are so afraid of failing that they sell themselves short in order to win. But those wins are just like eating a candy bar or not going on a diet, right? Selling, just showing up every day is the consistency thing that you need to do. It's the same with health. I mean, I'm, I have a coach that teaches me that. Um, it's the same with generating profit in your business. We have our Profit Pillars program that does exactly that. It teaches you how to show up every day to compile the data so that you can, you can get there. And the people who are looking for quick fixes they end up always shifting to something else, right? They always give up or they try something else, right? So that's just how it goes. How about you? Do you, do you yeah. So, so uh, let's wrap this one up here. Any, any final thoughts that you have on this one, Mercer? Yeah, just, just that I really appreciate how you think about it. I really, really like that technique of what were you just making at your previous job, especially if you just for the people just starting out. Cause I do ask that question a lot and I love the concreteness of that. Like, oh, here's a formula you can use to get started. And then yes, maybe you guess it's 10 hours and it turns out it's 400 hours. So what? Now you have data and next time for that same project, you're going to go closer to 400. <laughs> like that's just what will happen. It'll, it, it's a self-correcting system. Don't worry about making mistakes. Be consistent, get momentum, and it'll things will work themselves out as you do that. Exactly. And, and the more opportunities you get in front of, the better the data is, the more confident you are, and the more sustainable this thing is, right? There is a point where you will have survived and you will be statistically significant. And obviously, we're all significant just out of the gates. But yes, you'll be more statistically significant, which breeds confidence, which makes you an old hat like Mercer and I, as opposed to somebody who's just getting started. Every time, every rep is going to accelerate your learning curve. Okay, so that's all for this one on pricing mistakes and how to avoid them. Hopefully, you found some really good perspective and even some concrete, concrete examples. And I want to thank you for sharing this episode. If you have already, share it out there. Make sure you leave some comments, leave a review for us. 
tell other people what you've learned today. If you're meeting somebody who's just starting out in business and they have no idea what they're doing, give them the formula that we just gave. That's the formula that we're putting out there on this episode. Tell them to listen to this episode. They're going to learn a lot. And I want to thank you all for listening to Business Unfiltered. And that's a wrap for today's episode of Business Unfiltered with your hosts, Mercer and Jeff Sauer. Be sure to subscribe, leave us a review, and tell a friend what you've learned today. Want to connect? Visit us at businessunfiltered.fm. This has been Business Unfiltered, always unapologetically honest.